Hey, welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast. It's Monday, January 25th, 2021, 2021. And the last thing I just heard my wife say to my two-year-old daughter before I came down to record this was, baby girl, just because something doesn't go your way doesn't mean that you do something else that you're not supposed to. I was like, that is the story of life. (laughs) Take a bad situation, fuel it with frustration, and then compound the situation by doing something you're not supposed to. Why do we do that? And it's great that she's telling her to do that because at least plant the seed that we don't do that but what is the what is the human impulse i'm in a bad situation well you know what i'm going to do something else that's going to make it worse maybe it's just control because i'm trying to think of my two-year-old daughter frustrated because my wife told her she couldn't do something which as i've said before is the worst part of being a parent it's the only thing i don't like to be honest with you i do not like telling my daughter what to do i get it i know that it's part of the deal for and then people who have like older kids like there's gonna be a lot of shit you don't like about parenting but i just mean for a two-year-old where everything is wonder and joy and chaos um growth development etc just constantly telling her don't do that don't do this i do not like doing that i think that's just me trying to be internally consistent (laughs) Which I'm not going to get into right now, but I've been plumbing my thoughts about my the roots of my still immature views on authority and being told what to do and refusal to, well, I'm a hypocrite, right? Because I'm generally, I, I all right, this, I don't want to talk about this right now. I don't want to, really what I don't want to do is I don't want to subject you to it. I want to talk about my daughter for just a second because that is like, what is that instinct? Here's something bad. Let's make it worse. What is she trying to do? She just maybe wants control. Well, mom said I can't do this. Mom's always fucking telling me what to do. The woman. And so I'm going to do this. And that angers me. And so true. I need an outlet for that frustration. So I'm going to go take this action over here. But how many times in your life, and each of you stop and think, have you taken a bad situation uh, and let your frustration, and what what has to be associated with frustration, I suppose, is a touch of, even if it's unconscious, like feeling bad for yourself, self-pity. I I didn't want that, so I'm going to, I didn't deserve that, so I'm going to go do this other thing that maybe makes it worse. (laughs) very interesting or you 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 were the human brain is trying to not appreciate nuance like okay i can't do that but that doesn't mean that i have to go do something else to make it worse uh i can just accept that and grow and develop which i guess maybe my daughter at two years old is showing how she is very much like her father maybe that's what's happening I got a bad grade on a test, so I'm going to go get drunk, and then maybe I'll get a DUI and then miss the court date 
and then uh, have a warrant out for my arrest. I mean, you just keep it keeps spiraling, and I guess, I'm, of course, I've never missed a test. I knock wood. I don't have a DUI. I have flunked tests. I have. Uh, I wasn't much of a frustration or sadness like "woe is me" drinker. I, I'm not saying I don't like to drink, but I, you know what I was? I was a frustration smoker. And I think I so I liked to smoke when things went went bad, like if I uh, somebody broke up with me or I didn't I wasn't just like fuck the world I'm gonna get drunk I like to smoke on it. <laughs> I didn't get a job I didn't get into whatever. It always comes down to the same thing, right? It's this it's acceptance. Wherever I felt rejection, my instinct was to smoke cigarettes which I have not done in like 15 or six, 16 years. I haven't smoked a cigarette. And I think the reason I wanted to do that was I wanted to, I wanted to experience it. Not because it's like I should really honor the emotion, but maybe that's part of it. Maybe I also wanted to sit in it, sit in that hurt or, yeah, hurt and rejection. Probably should give you a couple examples, but um, trying to think. I don't know. I, I don't want it to make it about me. Well, it's your fucking podcast, dude. I know, but I, I don't want to go into the therapist couch right away. It's just an interesting instinct that my daughter has. Like, hey, I can't do this. Uh, therefore, I'm going to do this other thing that's bad for me. That's that's going to make the situation worse. What is that impulse? You know who doesn't do that? Dogs. <laughs> they don't do it. Hey, don't do that, or I'm going to not feed you. They're like, okay, I'm right back in line. Dogs don't take situations and make them worse. They, they, they try to, and maybe you're listening like, no, dude, we're all mature and grown. Uh, unlike you and your two-year-old daughter, we don't take situations and try to make them worse. We'll enjoy your position from your high horse there. I don't know. Share your thoughts. Send me an email letting me know when you've taken a situation and made it worse. Yeah, the comic equivalent is like, I told a joke. That joke didn't go well. The audience didn't laugh. And so I told them to go fuck themselves. Which is only going to make it worse. Why? Well, because if you tell the audience to go fuck themselves, then... You give yourself an excuse for your poor performance, right? It's, it's fear of failure. And again, rejection, I suppose. Here's a joke. Okay, here's a joke, audience. I'm serving up to you. We don't laugh. Uh, then the comic can say, go fuck yourselves. And then the crowd's like, okay, and also with you. <laughs> you too, comic man. Go fuck yourself. And then the whole thing devolves into a shit show. And the comic, myself or whoever else, can walk away with a bad set, but with a viable, not a viable, uh, a viable embryo. Can walk away, and also, uh, the statistics are in, thank you for the support. Apparently, the episode about miscarriage, not all that popular. I don't blame you. 
That's what I said. There's no right time. There's no right time to talk about a miscarriage. Even if someone puts in the podcast title, we should talk about this more. And then it says Joe talks about miscarriage. Everyone's like, yeah, I'll skip that one. (laughs) I don't blame you. That's what I'm saying. There's no right time to talk about it. A viable what? You have a viable excuse? Yeah, you have a a legitimate, a valid, that's the word I was using, I was thinking, looking for. A valid excuse. I tell a joke, it doesn't go well, crowd says, uh, nope, and you say, well, then here are my two middle fingers, and the crowd says, okay, noted, and here are our 200 middle fingers, right back at you. 200 times 2, 400 middle fingers. The comic is allowed to leave the stage thinking, you know what, that didn't go well, and you know why? Because I told them to go fuck themselves. Well, yeah, that becomes a that becomes an accelerant to it not going well. But ultimately, it leaves the performer, the human being, with an excuse. Well, rationalization. As opposed to the truth of the matter. Why didn't it go well? Well, because <clears throat> the joke that I wanted to tell them was not written well enough. Or the joke that I told them was not written well enough. Or I didn't do my job making clear what the joke is about. And then when I told it, it didn't connect. Or it it was about something that only I have thought about and was insufficiently able to connect it to a more general human theme that everyone in the crowd would be like, ah, instantly recognize and see in themselves and the world. I didn't do that. And as a result, they didn't laugh. That's not their fault. I mean, there's there are dead crowds. Let's not be, let's be honest. There are dead crowds, but um, sometimes. (laughs) But I think it's more rare than not. And so the comic tells a joke that doesn't work because of those reasons I just outlined, and the crowd doesn't laugh. They don't have to laugh, and therefore, if they don't laugh, the joke is technically not funny. I mean, by the letter of the law. Oh, this is funny. Fuck you guys. That shit was funny. It wasn't because they are judge and jury. So when they don't laugh and you're allowed to say, you know what? You all can go pound sand. Then you get off stage with a bomb and people are like, how'd it go? I was a mess. I told the crowd to go fuck themselves. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Wasn't a good set. Yeah, and then over time, I'm sure you remember it not being a good set and the set that you told the crowd to go fuck themselves. I'm sorry for using the F word so many times, but I feel like it's relevant here. For telling the crowd that gives you a perfectly good excuse to not remember that it was your crappy or lazy joke writing or execution performance that really set in motion why the set didn't go well. That's that's where it starts. It starts with with you and your failures right and that's where fear of failure comes from from i'm gonna i'm gonna risk failing but i'm afraid of failing honestly because what's gonna happen is the crowd's gonna sit there silently that's why bombing is so awful so that's why you tell the crowd to go f themselves and that gives you an excuse the other thing that would have affected that show is you told a joke that didn't go well, but you were not a big boy about it. And you, or big girl, or big non-binary person, 
or big African-American. You were not a big enough person to just take that first miss, take that miss on the chin. Okay, they didn't laugh. I'm going to get them with this one. I'm going to show my hardiness and my resilience and my resolve. <laughs> I just sound like somebody being evaluated for a job. And I'm going to get them with this one. I'm not going to let them see, see me sweat. Those really are the best comics, I think. The ones that are bombing, but you can't... Like, the comics know they're bombing, but the crowd can't really tell. Because they're just so composed. And so interesting and unfazed by the moment. Some of them are, like, almost too far down the, that way, where they're, like, sociopaths. They just can't realize that... Well, not sociopaths. Because sociopath probably wouldn't realize that they're bombing comics who are great at bombing and remaining composed bombing without the crowd letting them know are just amazing and and they are probably 100 percent attuned to what's going on in the room whereas a comic who a uh, sociopath would not they'd be indifferent to the emotion being experienced Right, so that also goes into your performance, is you know what, oh, I was terrible, I told them to go F themselves, but really, uh, we can go back to the poor joke writing and delivery, and then also your lack of, and I'm talking about me, because I've certainly told the crowd to go uh, fuck themselves, uh, your lack of maturity, resolve, appreciation for the craft, recognizing everything is not going to be a home run all the time. And that's part and parcel. I'm using some anachronistic. <laughs> and then I use the word anachronist. I'm using some old people words here. Part and parcel. I don't even know what that means. But I'm not doing all the things. That, that's part and parcel for being a comic. Because they're not all going to be home runs every single time. Especially for me. But what you do is you tell the joke. It doesn't work perfectly. Take a little breath through your stomach, that diaphragmatic recollect. Don't say, I know that was stupid, or unless you need to. I'm talking to myself. I'm not telling anybody how to do comedy. Just tell them another one. See what happens with this one. Don't let the first, that other miss, shake your confidence. Because the crowd will see that too, and they'll be like, nah, dude, we got you. You're shook. <laughs> if you scared, say you scared. Fear of failure is, is wild. Because what is more terrifying to the person with fear of failure, and we all have it to varying degrees in various moments, of trying your very best, writing that joke as well as you can write it. This is because this is the opposite. This is why you probably go tell the crowd to go fuck themselves. <clears throat> so if the one scenario is, excuse me, the one scenario is you're lazy in writing the joke and then the execution didn't go the way it was supposed to and then you lacked the 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 fortitude or the resolve to stay in the moment and keep punching then and quote unquote get him in the end um also i've seen a lot of people say i got him in the end and all the other comics like no you didn't you may think you got them in the end but really what happened is you got off stage and that felt better <laughs> than what was happening on stage i know believe me 
So on the one hand, we have this lazy writing, lazy execution, lack of fortitude standing in the moment leading to go F yourselves and it was a bad set. Uh, that's one type of fear of failure, I suppose, is avoiding the, the boy, I was lazy or boy, I'm not that tough or strong. But the ultimate, ultimate fear of failure, because you have to think about those things about yourself, the ultimate fear of failure things I would imagine would be, you know what, I wrote this joke painstakingly well, or hard, or long, or you did it the right way, you thought about it, you invested yourself in it, you prepared it, you rehearsed it, you worked it out, you told it, and it missed. And the crowd did not laugh. And the crowd was like, no, we don't care how hard you worked on that. And then, after all of that, you stay in the moment. You don't lose your composure like I have and tell the crowd to go after themselves. You stay in it, and you're strong, and you tell the next one that's been painstakingly written and all the beats are clear and plotted out, and then you tell that one. And the crowd's like, nah. And they see in your face, no fear, no sweat. And you tell another painstakingly written joke. You deliver it with the timing and the pace of Jerry Seinfeld. There's not one extra word in there. Yeah, I just complimented Jerry Seinfeld. I hear people do it. Why can't I do it? And that joke misses. And they all miss. Then you truly have to face up to your failure. It's not for lack of effort. It's not for doing it the right way, respecting the craft, understanding that not every joke is going to hit, for not blaming the crowd for your shortcomings. It's just the crowd says, nah, man, we don't like you. That's it. You're, you're wasting our time. You're not adding value. As a matter of fact, you have no value. Again, this is why bombing is so horrific. You're bombing. And then you have to face that feeling of the crowd telling you that you have no value. That, that is why we do all the other nonsense that explains away our failure. In life too, right? Hey, here's a big project. I'm sorry, I realize it's late. It's the 11th hour. Do you think you could possibly get it to me by Thursday? Oh my gosh, that would... If I fail on this project, I will really... That would be embarrassing and I'm, I could lose my job or people would be like, man, we can't rely on that person. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, I would love to help you, but I am super, super busy. I can't do it right now. And the boss or whoever asked for the project says, oh, yeah, no sweat, no problem. And they move on and ask somebody else. You're like, whew, I didn't have to try. I didn't have to risk that bombing on the project. Interestingly, though, don't we most of the time respect the person who, most of the time we respect the person who did it the right way, who tried their best, <clears throat> who remained composed, who honored whatever effort they were making, endeavor they were attempting. Uh, but the world doesn't always see it that way. And they're like, you know what? <laughs> you failed. And 
get the fuck out of here. Boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, employer. I don't know what is going on with my throat today, but it is, excuse me, something annoying. Probably because I slept for 500 hours last night. I overslept. What a, what a privilege, by the way. Not privilege, luxury. Is that the same thing? Privilege. Privilege sounds like, what, what is privilege? Privilege is, it's an advantage. It is something. (laughs) Everybody who's listening to this, who is not a straight white male is like, we're all ears here, bro. (laughs) Why don't you tell us what you think privilege is? I just mean it sounds like something that you don't have to do anything to. Um, it's a it's an advantage that you have that you didn't have to do anything to acquire. I think that's seems like how it's used popularly. Uh, but I had to acquire. I had to make some effort to get the luxury to oversleep without really that many consequences. So. Is it a privilege? You know what? The privilege informs the luxury, sure. Yeah, so I had the privilege, I guess, indirectly of oversleeping. And maybe that's why uh, I needed it, man. God damn, did I need it. Well, good for you. There's Now I'm like the person who's like, boy, oh boy, aren't things great? Telling you, t- like, don't you love when you get a good sleep? And the person listening is like, yeah, I didn't get one last night. So talk about something else. It's hard. I get it. I got a great night's sleep, and I overslept. And I know that because there is a tradition in this household where it goes like this. My wife gets up with the baby first. And, well, is that not progressive or what? Because there's a really good reason for it. (laughs) When the two-year-old is finished singing to herself she starts yelling mom <laughs> she doesn't say dad she says mom ma or she calls her ba ba and and believe me if she were calling my name i would be right in there right away <laughs> but she calls she calls ba she calls for ba and ba goes in Ba sets up the house. Ba does everything. Ba gets up. Ba does whatever she does in the restroom. Puts the brushes her teeth. Uh, restroom? Yeah, Ba fucking goes for a run in Central Park and then dips down into a restroom. Those uh, stairs, those terrace stairs in the middle of... Well, all stairs are terrace, bro. Anyway, Ba brushes her teeth and goes and starts a pot of coffee before she goes in to see the baby. <laughs> who is calling for her again i poked my head in there uh you know at the same time like hey and she's like mm, bah i get it the dad i feel like is this wrong if your dad if you like your dad more than your mom your mom kind of fucked up <laughs> and is that probably also dad male privilege or whatever right but if you why would you ever like the dad more than the mom? If you like your dad more than your mom, your dad either really murdered it or uh, 
your mom just fell down on the job. So I don't expect to be received as favorably as my wife. We have a problem, if, if that's the case. I poke my head in, she's like, hmm, she'll get over it in a second, but bah, it's, it's your mom, for God's sake. You're a kid, and mom should be the best thing. So, she calls for Ba. Ba sets up the coffee. Dad. <laughs> Dad puts on uh, noise-canceling headphones. <laughs> because I know Ba is on the case. And is going to sl- try to sleep for another hour. Well, Dad did that this morning. Because they... So they go in and then she still breastfeeds. Is that is that too late? She's breastfeeding at the age of two. Uh, if there are parents in here, please, please be judgmental of me. And my wife, especially. She deserves it. Uh, she still breastfeeds, which apparently is stopping, like, soon. Is that me defending to those angry, insecure women who are judging my parenting style? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Absolutely. So they have a whole routine. They. And you know why it's they? Because I don't get up and make myself part of it. I'm... I'm at peace with that, as you can tell. I'm talking about it in public. So they have take out and play with a hey baby girl, change breastfeeding, tick, 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 and I try to sleep for another hour. Then, uh, then we have coffee, and then every day at the same time, we have a very exciting event in our house called Ventilador. 500. Ventilador in my house means fan. I think it's fan in Spanish, so we call it the Ventilador 500, as in it's a big event, a sweepstakes, uh, a, a rally, uh, I don't know, some tour of some great race. And I think we actually say Ventilador, yeah, Ventilador 500. We have a ceiling fan in the one room that the baby plays, and all of her shit is in we have a technically I guess a two bedroom house we have a two two it's not a it's a small house especially now that there's a fucking kid in it and all the neighbors who are so generous but also like oh we need to get rid of some shit are like hey can we drop off like 12 million gallons or pounds of Legos Legos are measured in weight, right? Like when you hear about arms deals in (laughs) Africa, that guy sold them 600 tons of guns. That's, that's what my, that's what, what the neighbors do. They're very nice and they're giving us lots of great stuff, but it's also like, hey, they have a kid now. They can uh, hold this shit for a while. (laughs) Anyway, we have Ventilador 500 and uh, what that means is each night before I go to sleep, usually before I go to bed, I put uh, a stuffed animal on each of the fan blades in the ceiling fan. I get up onto the ottoman, I stand on the ottoman, and I put a stuffed animal on each one of the fan blades. And they're my daughter's stuffed animals. Who, well, you're like, who, who are the stuffed animals? I'll tell you all about them. I'll give you a little scouting report on each one of them. We have Sergeant Marmot. And most of these stuffed animals, by the way, come from my wife's mom. 
who lives in Colorado and is an outdoors person. So they're always like cool off the beaten path to me animals like a marmot or an owl. That's right. We have two buos, owls. We have, so Sergeant Marmot will be up there. Choppy, which is a lamb, but known as lamb choppy or oveja. Trying to use a little bit of Spanish with this girl. Open her ears to to more than just American, speaking American. But that's the squad. We have choppy or lamb chop. We have puppy. They're just little stuffed animals. We have oso pardo, the heavy brown bear. We have my favorite person. My wife named him Hedgehog Reporting for Duty. He is just a little ball of hair with a tiny little nose and two black eyes. Very, very cute. My daughter calls him Haji. Haji will go up. But then you want to talk about Purple Cat. She can go up. The That's like the field. That's like the open mic of Ventilador 500. The booked show of actually getting the like the people up there on Ventilador who are winning time and time again. Who are those people? They're Mulio. He's a mule who has a mohawk. And he just, some way his legs just fit nicely on the... F- I didn't even explain the goddamn game. I'm so sorry about that. So what happens is every morning I, or every night I put a stuffed animal on each one of the fan blades. And then every day, the same time, we my daughter... I pick her up, and I'm like, today's Ventilador 500 is my daughter. She's the official starter. She's the race, whatever, that grand marshal. And she presses the fan button, and I should have told you this so much earlier. I'm sorry. And the fan blades start spinning around, and the animals fly off. And the one who stays on the longest is the champion. Pretty straightforward. Uh, People like uh, Oso Pardo. They never, they're, they're just, their body weight is just all screwed up and their shape, they just get chucked off right away. So that's what happens. And then my daughter's very excited both for the tradition of every morning we do Ventilador 500 and then also, um, you know, she likes to see who wins. And because my wife and I were raised for significant or uh, let's say formative parts of our lives by single mothers uh i think we both feel like we don't have a ton of tradition family traditions (laughs) so we we were totally over traditionalizing everything you know like we used to you know say oh it wouldn't be cool if we went on vacation to the same place every year or that sort of thing like went to the same lake or the same beach house or whatever it is but now it's like out of control the amount of traditions that we're doing like ventilador 500 every morning we're going to have ventilador 500 uh, every morning uh, and this probably without question has been facilitated by covid every mid-morning right around lunch well my daughter and i make a smoothie and there's a whole tradition to that and we're, we're making a lot of traditions because i think we feel <laughs> we're overcompensating is what we're what we're doing but I think we we haven't really talked about it, but I think we're trying to instill a lot of. I don't know what what is that about? Of this, you were part of something. Not that we weren't part of something, but it was just different. <laughs> There's a man and a woman in the same house, and they like each other. That's that's it. We're fortunate. There, that's a it's a privilege. I don't know, but it's, we're fortunate. We know that we like each other. 
Not every couple likes each other. It's the way it is. So we're doing that. These these micro traditions and Ventilador 500 is one of them. But you want to talk about the next level of performer up there. It is people like Mulio. He holds on perfectly. It's Pulpo, which is a octopus. Pulpo, and by the way, my I don't know if I've mentioned this. My dog, and who cares? You might not care as much as I do. Uh, Pulpo is my uh, my daughter uses now she's using words, and the N word was not her first word. And if you're like, what is he talking about? It's just an old joke that I have made previously. But she says, Pupu, Purple, and Pulpo, they all sound pretty similar. For Going Poop, the color purple, not the Alice Walker novel, adapted for the screen by Steven Spielberg, I think, or Clint Eastwood. One of those, one of those two. Spielberg, Spielberg. Uh, who... Is or was a business partner with um, what's that guy's name? David Geffen. Anyway, purple. Yeah, I know. I was like, "What are you talking about?" Purple, poopo, purple, and poopo all sound pretty similar. But when it's your kid, you're scoring at home. You're like, "That's three different words." She so has to add those three to the list. She knows poopoo, poopoo, and poopoo. <laughs> you get the amount of, and if you don't have kids, you don't, whatever. Maybe, I don't know. Anyway, the amount of credit we give her, like she'll say, za, 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 za. I'm like, oh, you said quesadilla. That's right. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a lenient, it's a lenient scoring system. So we have all these traditions. Poopo, one of the great. Ventilador, obviously. Pulpo has eight legs. Not all of them uh, wrap around the the fan blade. Uh, but Pulpo is very good. And off the top of my head, Foxy is good. Pulpo is good. Mulio is very good. Occasionally, Choppy, Lamb Chop, will win a couple contests. And uh, if my wife ever listens to this, she'll be like, You forgot to mention who? Who did I forget to mention? I don't know. But I I have two alarms on my phone. I have the first alarm and then the second, like, ah, oh, fuck, I really better get up. And somehow I slept through them. Well, you were wearing noise-canceling headphones. <laughs> well, normally they don't cancel those sounds on my phone. And my wife, the Jezebel, started Ventilador 500 without me. I got up like three minutes after I slept in. I got up like three minutes after. And she's, I'm like, all right, Louie, I'm sorry. We got to go. We got to do the, we got to do Ventilador 500. I'm brushing my teeth. And my wife goes, oh, I already did it. Like, I fucking created that game. I'm a, I'm a Winklevoss. <laughs> I... I started Ventilador 500. You're forcing me out of my own company just because I am more attractive than you are. Almost made it the whole day without addressing Facebook. And I heard 
a knowledgeable person say that misinformation is like it's like an it's like an epidemic. It's like a public health crisis. I think that's an interesting way to think about it. And you know what? I'm susceptible to it. You're like, yeah, dude, we listen. It's obvious. You are brainwashed. But I learned the other day that that some that I have this impression that the Democratic Party favored Hillary Clinton, and uh, as a result, they somehow worked to mitigate the impact of Bernie Sanders in the 2016 election. And I in, in I walk around believing that. I believe Bernie Sanders would have won because I think he and Trump were not, they were, they were arousing similar, not saying the same, similar, uh, similar what, passions? They were kind of trying to speak to quote-unquote real people, <clears throat> whatever that means. Uh, it means people who didn't go to fucking college. Kidding, 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 kidding. I'm, remember, I got a bachelor's degree at the age of 35, so if I can do it, so can you. And if you don't have to, by all means, don't. But I walk around thinking that he was pushed out. And then the other day, I, of course, in the middle of the night, was watching a documentary about misinformation and how it's manipulated by nation states. And that was, that perception it seems like it resulted from a leak of information that was intentional and designed to sway public opinion, all this so dissent and doubt. And you're like, yeah, dude, we read the fucking news when it happened. Well, I didn't, I guess. I've always thought this. But I realized whether that happened or not, I probably have the perception in my head as a result of that leaking manipulation. Which, I know that it's all, everyone's after our attention, but anyway. Misinformation. I was just trying to talk about the Ventilador 500. I'm a Winklevoss. My wife started the damn thing without me. Choppy one. And I was like, I was trying not to make a big deal of it. Because I don't want to be like, Daddy, he's slept in again. He's not getting, or Mom's not getting out of bed today. But I told my wife, I was like, this, please, in the future, if I happen to be blessed, privileged, luxuriated enough to sleep through that, would you please send the girl in to wake me up? That's a, this is just how it's so unequal, right? If I happen to be sleeping in while you're raising our daughter, will you send her in so I can come out? And hold her while she presses a switch on the wall. <laughs> How absurd. How great, also. But I was like, because it, it obviously, uh, well, I don't know, obvious to you, I do not have, uh, I, like every parent, probably want to be a better parent. I want to be a better parent than I perceive. Let me just keep it this. I want to be a better dad than I feel like people were dadding to me. That's all. I'm not going to rake up that whole grave, but I want to be, I want to surpass my, the performance of my dad and my stepdad. And you know what? If they are good dads and stepdads, they would want me to as well. Regardless of where their performance level was, you would think that they would want a son who would want to be better. 
I want my daughter to, 100%, I want my daughter to be better than I am. Yeah, so if that, no offense there, fellas. So naturally, then I have a, a fear of failure if I'm trying as hard as I can. I'm trying hard and I'm giving it, I'm preparing to be a father with my daughter. <laughs> and then I sleep through Ventilador 500. Uh, there's only one person that is responsible for that. My wife, for not waking me up and starting <laughs> Ventilador 500 without me. I said to her, I'm like, when you do that, that makes me, that, that, confirms that I'm the dad I always feared I'd be. <laughs> anyway, Lamb Chop won. And, uh, and that was that. One more final note about the amount of kid stuff that we have in our small house is, and don't get me wrong, every time, we, our house was fine when it was just the two of us. It's not a lament like the ch fucking kid get you know just showed up out of nowhere, knocked her up after being married for whatever fifteen years, sixteen years, something like that. Uh, it's not that. Just like our house was fine when it was just the two of us. Now, it's not just the child; it's the stuff that the child inherits. Yesterday we inherited, like I said, like. A thousand, fifteen hundred Lego pieces, and then the woman across the street is moving. Is like, hey, do you want a box of Halloween shit? And uh, one of us who is not on the podcast today said, yeah, sure. And so then we got multiple boxes of Halloween shit that we're never going to use. And I'm already, I already tried to pass them on to the cool, the fun neighbors down at the house. I stopped from saying cool, only because. I've referred to them as the fun neighbors. I don't know. The cool house, whatever, down the street. I tried to pass it off on them, and they're like, no, we don't want that shit. You know why? Because we have three kids, and we know the game. And we know that you are trying to get rid of shit and just pass it off on us. <laughs> Fair play. That's true. That's exactly what I was trying to do. We inherited all this Halloween stuff yesterday. And in that uh, was a, like, you know how... <clears throat> it's, it's a uh, boy. I wish I'm looking at the time here. I would love to talk about this for hours and hours, but some women use Halloween, and some men do too, and some non blah 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 blah. Some women use Halloween as an excuse to dress sluttily, right? Okay, we all can agree on that. That's a statement, by the way. It's not a judgment. Slutty, I guess, sounds like a judgment. Uh, how about this? Some women use Halloween as an excuse to dress provocatively. Is that too much? Provocatively sounds like I'm trying to provoke you to have sex with me against my will. That's also not what I'm saying. Some women dress like fucking sluts. Sluts? No, I don't mean sluts. Because slut... There's a slut walk. I'm not slut shaming. I'm just trying to... What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to do now is just be the guy who chooses the most accurate word. Is it simply sexy? Is that just... You know what I'm saying. Like, How about dirty? How about that? I'll use that word. It's a word I like using. Like a dirt. She's a dirty nurse. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's just a nurse. <laughs> Shout out to all my nurses out there listening. 
<laughs> they are fun. Yeah, they don't need a fucking costume either. Not all of us are, I know. But there are enough of you out there being fun that you've earned a bit of a reputation. All of you? Of course not. Just like there are substitute teachers <laughs> who, you know, maybe you're not ready to be a full-time teacher yet. Still getting the stuff out of your system. Somehow in, we inherited a slutty costume across for a dirty whatever. It's a dirty cop, which also is redundant. <laughs> we, so it's like, uh, it's like, uh, it looks like Catwoman, whatever you call that, latexy, short skirt, and racy handcuffs. I'm a bad cop, kind of. I'm a bad girl cop. And in that was this hat, a cop's hat, and I put it on. And, uh, I made a video of myself saying, license and registration. And that, wearing a cop's hat to me is like me putting on blackface. That will be the moment that people, like, ah, look, I found this incriminating photo. He really is <laughs> this. But I, it's so weird how this is all in my head. I put the cop's hat on to walk down. It's, don't get me wrong. This cop's hat looks like it was too gay to be in the village people. It was not too gay. It was too uh, too camp to be in the village people. And they're just like, no, dude. <laughs> Even, we're the village people. I put the hat on and I walked down to the cool, fun neighbors at the corner. And they're like, that's a great hat. But even and just to try to pass off the rest of the Halloween stuff, and I was unsuccessful. But even in doing that, wearing that hat, I felt the the whole thing, the whole law enforcement industrial complex on my head, wearing this ridiculous latex cop hat. I I have a cousin who's a, a cop, and I sent him both my video saying license and registration. <laughs> and then uh, but I told him I walked down the street wearing that hat and uh, I felt like a target and and then I said much respect because I, I I whatever it's been clear so I've made clear my issues with authority and law enforcement but me wearing that ridiculous hat I felt like I felt so different all of a sudden than everybody like cars going by like oh they Oh, they're like, you look like a fucking idiot, dude. That's what it is. I counted 217 pieces of kid shit in the laundry, in the laundry, in the playroom where the girl plays before I stopped. So that's just like Legos and little miniature dolls and finger puppets and puzzle pieces. And hey, we need some more. Why don't I come over and dump that out? Yeah, that's a good idea. I counted two. 117 pieces on the floor before I stopped because she was breaking crayons to make the number bigger. I'm out of time. I appreciate you listening to this podcast and sharing it, reviewing it, whatever you do to it. Uh, have a great week. I hope you have a great week and I hope uh, you survive, motherfuckers. That's all we want. That's so great that guy sent that note. Survive, motherfuckers. Kind regards. Have a great week. 
and I will circle back with you on Friday.